didn't mean to scare you that bad, Daniel. I think that's a, that's a good thing. Okay, all right. You can see that the word for you. Okay, very good. Thank you. So do I, are we started? I think I already started it, oh, didn't okay. I? Yeah, okay. Hey, okay. hey, everybody, Facebook. Uh, this is uh, the July 2018 Bracken on Jesus session. We're back in business. We took a little break, and uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. We've got Honey here today, and we have Chris, and we have Daniel, and we're probably going to have somebody else come. I think I'm looking forward to the great, the late Casey Shaw to show up. And the reason I call him late is, is not because he's dead but it's because he's going to be late, as normal, I suspect. Anyway, my name is Robin Ayler, and I am going to start us off in a word of prayer. Our Father God, you're awesome, Lord. Thank you for Jesus, Lord, and for him being our, our good news, the only good news we have, Lord, that we can, we can hope in, Lord. The world is broken. We're broken. Everybody's broken besides Jesus. Adam was broken, and we just thank you for Jesus, Lord, who, who is, our, is, is, is our way. He's our righteousness. And uh, just be with us today. Help us to glorify God, Lord, uh, you through Jesus, and uh, we thank you again. Amen. All right. So uh, today, the text I chose was Hebrews 1, verse 3. Hebrews 1, verse 3, and for context, this is speaking of Jesus. What, what Daniel, did you have something to say? Oh, you're starting to be a smart aleck, aren't you? Okay, <laughs> you're Zach. But he's got that memorized, so um, here's, the, here's what it says. Hebrews 1, verse 3, speaking of Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And I can see Honey has got that memorized as well. That's awesome. So there's, I want us to look at three parts to this verse. And uh, I want to focus the most on the middle of it, but we'll bring it all together toward the end. The first part says that Jesus is God. Jesus is God in every way. All right? And um, this, the middle section of this verse says, of Jesus, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's pretty awesome. By the word of his power? Who else can hold something up by their word? Right, exactly. Charles Meisner was a scientist and a contemporary of Albert Einstein. And Meisner ble believed that the question of the amazing design of the universe was a religious one. And in that sense, he considered that Einstein was uh, sympathetic to his view. And speaking of Einstein, he said this, he must have looked at what the preacher said about God and felt that they were blaspheming. He had seen much more majesty than they had ever imagined, and they were just not talking about the real thing. My guess is that he simply felt that the religions he'd run across did not have the proper respect for the author of the universe, 
And that was uh, Misner uh, speaking about Einstein. Unquote, my, my question for you is this. How glorious does your life say that your God is? Is he more glorious than the God of the rabbis and the priest of Einstein's day that he had heard? So, you know, Einstein was brought up Jewish, and then he converted to Catholic, and then he was, went back to Judaism again. And uh, after that, he, he just withdrew from all of it. So if he had heard legalistic man-centered sermons in his life, it's easy to see how he might have been turned off by them. Looking through microscopes and telescopes, Einstein had clearly seen some amazing things. But was it enough to see the glory of the universe? Is that enough? And where should it have pointed him? So I want us to consider uh, some of God's glory in the cosmos that Einstein saw, and maybe more, even with our technology today. And then we'll look at something Einstein probably possibly missed. Our text indicates that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, I'm not a, a student of uh, physics, nor I do not know what words Jesus used uh, to hold, uphold the universe. I don't know. But it's interesting to reflect on how the earth is, is so stable everywhere in the cosmos that we look. At the same time, everything is spinning. We don't really recognize it, but everything is spinning around and around and around. This may sound a little weird, but this is what I think Jesus may have said to uphold the universe. Something like this. Universe, be stabilized through a giant, complex system of gyroscopes. I told you it would sound weird, Casey, right? Okay. But that's part of the way my mind grasps it. Um, God upholds everything through his word. And uh, what are gyroscopes? They're turning wheels. They're like bicycles. If a bicycle wheel quits turning, it falls over, right? And gyroscopes are found in navigation, clocks, uh, drones, quadcopters, smartphones, segways. Even, even the Mars rover has uh, gyroscopes in it. So let's look for some God-glorifying gyroscopic connections in the, in the cosmos. Uh, let's start with atoms, okay? Here we have atoms. All right. So that's an atom right there, guys. They're invisible to the naked eye, honey. You cannot see them. They're very, very small. But there's little electrons inside the atom that spin. They rotate kind of like the Earth rotates. So they're little gyroscopic things. And you know how fast they spin? About the speed of light. They don't have width, so that you really can't call them spinning. But they, they go around and around like at the speed of light. So now... Adam. All right. Just the way that the, uh, the planets do around the sun. All right. So now, so they're spinning around at the speed of light, and then they're spinning around the nucleus at billions of, of miles per second. 
Okay, now I know I'm going to get confused on this. Um, every atom in the universe is like that. Okay, spin it around. Now the Earth, on the other hand, spins at a velocity of 1,040 miles per hour. And uh, simultaneously, the Earth spins so fast, it also travels around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour. And the sun is spinning at over 4,000 miles per hour. And all the planets in our solar system are spinning and rotating around the sun. And so that's a giant, uh, God-glorifying gyroscope. At the same time, our galaxy, uh, there, or our solar system, is spinning around the Milky Way galaxy. We're going around it. How fast, Daniel? 155 miles per second. Uh, we're not done yet. As the solar system spins, it's traveling um, amongst another group of, of galaxies at 100, I think, in uh, 185 miles per second. It's going somewhere. Does anybody know where it's going? Is it circling something else in this giant, colossal gyroscope? Well, we do know something here. Uh, I, b I believe it's going, uh, circling God. But in some contexts, we could say that's true. The Bible says in Romans eleven thirty six, For from him and through him and to him, are all things to him be glory forever everything is about god everything is about jesus our text also says in hebrews 1 3 that after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high so jesus not only made everything he created everything he holds everything together by the word of his power but he did much more um, after mankind sinned he made purification for sin what does that mean? Well, Jesus, unlike us, was perfect. He never sinned. That he might give men his righteousness. He, after that, he went even further. He took our place in, in death on the cross, and he died for our sin. He took the wages of our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, Jesus went even further than that. Um. Defeating death so that all of us who believe in him might be raised up incorruptible with him forever. So, you know, Einstein saw the glory that God had given the cosmos from the microscopic things to the, uh, to the things in space. And he, he drawed connections from that. But it's possible. I hope he didn't miss the glory of God through Jesus because that's what everything that God has given glory to on earth is supposed to point us to. Even creation, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So Jesus gives us righteousness and eternal life to all who will turn toward him to look at his glory in delight and turn away from sin. So, again, does your life proclaim God, his glory in Jesus? Um, or does, do people, when they look at you, see your God as, uh, as a, a legalistic impossibility for broken people? 
Jesus is our only hope. And there's so much more glory in God's only son than anything he's created. They should point us to Jesus. Is your God big enough to give you glory over other things in your life? Uh, to give you victory over maybe that returning sin? Is that what you project to the world? That that is who your God is? Does he give you grace to forgive others? Is he worth sharing with others? You know, our life speaks to those who see us. And the question I have is, how glorious is your God? Um, Something to think about. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Robin. Um, unbeknownst to you, yours actually ties in perfectly for what I'm going to talk about. So Robin kind of talked about how God is the, the great orchestrator of the universe, the one who spoke it into existence and starts it spinning and spiraling and he holds it all together. Um, I also believe that, that God can stop that if he wants to. And so today we're going to look at Joshua chapter 10, um, which is the day that the sun stood still. So turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 10, and we're going to talk about how the God of the Bible is a God who fights for his people. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 14. All right, so this is when um, the uh, five kings of the Amorites had assembled, and they were attacking um, the people of Gibeon and Joshua and the people of Israel. And this is what the Lord says, starting in verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came up up on them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon. And he chased them by the way of the accent of Beth Horon and struck them as far as Azekah and Micaiah. And as, and as they fled before Israel, while they were going down to the accent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hellstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day of the Lord when he gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and it did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There's been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the word of man and the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned and Israel with him to the camp of Gilgal. Father God, um, we just thank you that you are so amazing that you do fight for your people. I just pray that as we look at the scripture, you would open our eyes um, to the God that you are, a God who, who brings victory to people of faith. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so um, as Joshua and his men are, are gearing up to go into this battle, uh, God kind of gives them a word of encouragement, and he says, hey, I'm going to go fight for you, which which is really cool. It's um. It's, it's like a, a great big game changer, right? So in, in sports, we hear that word all the time. So a, a person who's a game changer is someone who steps on the field and the result's now going to be different, right? So like I play uh, pickup basketball a lot with my friends on Sunday night 
and we're all really terrible, but we like to play anyways and pretend we're good. But but let's say that um, we're we're sitting there playing pickup basketball, and in through the door walks Russell Westbrook, and he says, "Hey, I'm I'm I've got next game," and he jumps on my team. All right, what does that mean for us? Even before the game starts, what does it mean? Game we we win. Right? Like, we don't even have to play the game yet because we're all old and fat and unathletic, and he's not. And so, whoever's team that Russell's on is just going to win, right? Or let's say that you're at a peewee football game and you see Tom Brady get up and come off the bench and he goes to your kid's team. You know what that means? Your kid's team wins. Yeah, like that. That's what a game changer is. When someone comes onto your side who's so impactful, um, that they're just going to change the outcome of and the direction of, of the way things are going. And so that's what, what uh, God says to Joshua. He says, don't worry about any of these guys. You've got this. Not one of these five kings or their armies are going to stand against you. So you go forward in confidence because get, guess what? I've got your back. I'm going to go with you. And so in this passage, we see that God fights for his people in a lot of ways. The, the first way uh, that it lists there in um, verse 9 as it says that God threw them into a panic and a, and, and a confusion. And so uh, we see this happen a lot when uh, God's people are more. He, he really just confuses the enemy. And what do you do when you're in a fight and you're confused? You run, right? Like you, you don't want to be anywhere around the people who are coming after you if you don't know what's going on. So the, everyone turns their heels and they run um, and they're in this great panic. And as they run, this is, this is really cool, um, God starts taking them out with giant hailstones. all right? So this isn't like your normal Northwest Oklahoma pea-sized or golf ball-sized hell. This is um, Amorite crushing-sized hell, all right? So I don't know how big it is, but it's supernatural. And um, you got to just have to think that God has a pretty good aim, right? I mean, like they're on this battlefield, and there's good guys and bad guys, and God's almost like playing the role of the sniper and he's just boom, boom, boom. He's taking out all these bad guys. And I really like how the verse says, those who were killed by the hellstones were more than those who were struck down by Israel. And so as Joshua's writing down this account, he wants to make something really clear to us. He's saying, hey, God did the majority of the work. Like if it wasn't for him, we may have killed some, but really he, he, was, he was carrying us, right? He was doing um, all, all the damage. He was the one who was bringing victory to us. So those are two ways that we see here in this text that God fights for his people. The third way, and this is the most amazing to me, um, starts off, uh, let me see what verse this is. Okay, is it's, it's in the last portion here where Joshua makes a request that God would make the, the sun and the moon stand still. Um, so it's, get, it's getting late in the day and the sun's about to set and Joshua realizes something. If the sun sets, the battle's over and they won't be able to see their enemy. So he makes this astronomically big request to his God. He says, God, if you would just stop the sun in its place and hold the moon where it's at and give us enough time to, to finish this victory, um, that, that would be great. And God actually hears his words. Um, what I think is really cool about this, and, and Robin, I, I don't have to explain it because he did a good job doing this, is we, we know that, that the, the sun and the moon aren't spinning around the earth, Right? But, but really, the earth is spinning and orbiting the sun. And so what, what God actually has to do to grant Joshua's request is he has to slow the rotation of the earth, right? And I, I don't know how much he slowed it, if he stopped it completely or what he did. I, I can't answer 
all the questions of what was going on with the gyroscope, but, but I believe God's the one who set it in motion and he can slow it and stop it as he pleases. And I think, I think that's what we see here in this text, that, that God actually, to, to give his people victory, he does this earth-stopping or earth-slowing thing to allow his people to have victory over their enemies. Um, man, that, that's really cool to me that, that God does that. And so um, I, I, I've shared that a few times this week with, with some people. I've been talking about this story. And everybody kind of gives that same you know, response, like, really? Like, God, God slowed or stopped? And it's almost confusing just because it seems like it would cause a lot of problems, right? But, but here's, the, here's the truth of the scripture. Our God can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he pleases. That's exactly what it says in Psalms 135, verses 6 and 7, it says, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and in the depths of the sea. He is the one who makes the clouds rise to the ends of the earth, and he makes lightning for the rain, and he brings forth the wind from its storehouses. Um, man, and, and then the, the verse Robin quoted in, in Hebrews uh, 1, verse 3, man, he's the one who upholds the universe with the power of his word, okay? So I, I have no problem with a God, with, with God who can do whatever he wants. Um, as a matter of fact, that is found all throughout scripture, right? Like, like we have a God who, who saves a man with a giant fish, right? Like he, he swallows them up and, and, and that's how he spares his life and, and shows him mercy. We have a God who earlier in Joshua, he brings down um, an entire fortified city with a marching band. Like, like that's, that's the God we serve. We have a God who in the book of Exodus rips a whole sea in half so his people can walk through on dry land. Okay, we have a God who shows up in the person of Jesus in the New Testament and he feeds over 5,000 men and women and children with one kid's lunch. All right, we have a God who in the New Testament um, calls a dead man out of the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. So I don't have a problem with a God who can go against logic and do whatever he wants because that's the God of the Bible. He does it all the time. And here in Joshua chapter 10, when his people needed victory, he, he slowed or stopped the rotation of the earth in order to give them that. And that's the glorious God of the Bible. And so here, here's the big truth I want to unpack today. We have a God who will fight for his people. And, and I, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times, I, I mean, I believe the Bible and I think, man, it's cool God did that for them. Like, man, it's cool that he did that for Joshua. And it's cool he did that for the people of Israel and with the Exodus. And I, I love he did that for the, you know, the hungry people in the crowds. But a lot of times I think we ask, will he fight for me? Right? Like, so it's easy to see, you know, yes, he did that for others, but will he be there for me? And here's what I want to end with, with saying. Um, he, he already has fought for you in the person of Jesus, all right? So here's, here's the, the glorious truth of the gospel. The, the good news of the Bible is the, the most greatest rescue of the most helpless people over the greatest enemy happened at the cross of Christ. And so scripture is really the story of a God who will fight for his people, so much so that, that he steps down out of heaven, he puts on flesh in the person of Christ, and he goes to war with our greatest enemy of sin and death. And, and at the cross, this, this incredibly beautiful thing happens where, where he defeats the enemy that we couldn't, right? So Jesus comes down, and he, he, um, and he lives the life that we couldn't. Man, he's always faithful, always obedient to God the Father. And um, man, he's, he's so unlike us and sin and death have no hold on him because he's sinless and holy and perfect. They, they have no authority over him. They can do nothing. And so Jesus is the only one who can go to battle with them. And what he does on the cross is he, 
he, he willingly takes our place. It's, it's, um, it's called the great exchange. He swaps places with the sinner and he says, I'll take everything that you deserve. Like you put what, what Casey and Robin and Chris and Honey and Dan, I'll, I'll take what you deserve. You put that on me on the cross. And if you believe in me, if you trust in me, I'll give you all that I deserve. And there's this beautiful swapping of places where, where Christ says, you give me all the broken messiness. I'll take your consequences, your sin, your death. I'll war with it on the cross and I'll give you everything I have, my righteousness, my, my friendship with God, my, my purity, so that you can be clean. And so um, in, in, the, in our story in Joshua 10, it's clear when, when you get to the end that, that God's team wins, right? It's clear that, that victory's there. As a matter of fact, there's this really cool scene where Joshua grabs these five kings, he lays them out, and he has all the commanders stand on their necks. And he gives this great war battle speech about how they've had victory. And so how do we know that our victory is secure and firm? Okay, so when Jesus died, he was buried and he was stuck in a tomb. But three days later, his victory was confirmed when he rose in, in glory. He, it, it showed that, that he had accomplished and paid for everything and that God's wrath had been satisfied when he rose victorious over sin and death. And, and that, that's our hope today, too. If, if we belong to Christ, if we're joined to him, that we can share in that same victory um, because what he did. So, man, I, I appreciate your, your sermon, Robin. And, man, we have this glorious God who who spun the, the universe into existence, and he upholds it by the power of his word, and he can stop it when he wants to, to bring victory to his people. And, um, man, he's, he's a God who, who came to, to purchase victory um, with his own blood in, in the person of Jesus. So, all right, that's my time. Let us pray. Father, we love you, we just praise you, and we just uh, rejoice in who you are. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that you give us, Lord, that you fill us with, that you uh, guide us with. And Lord, we just pray today that we would examine our own hearts and make sure that we're not resisting your spirit, Lord, that we're not being disobedient, but Lord, that we are honoring you and glorifying you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God wants to magnify his church and grow his church. And uh, my devotion this morning was just uh, in the book of Acts. I'm behind a little bit as I've been uh, traveling and just got in this morning about 2 o'clock this morning. So I just want to um, honor God by uh, just glorifying his Holy Spirit and thanking him for safe travels and mercies. Um, as you look in the book of Acts, um, a lot of my charismatic friends would say that's their favorite book. And I saw on CBD the other day, that uh, Christian book distributors, that you can buy leather-bound books of the Bible. Like, you can just get Acts or Romans. And I thought, that'd be really, really cool. But, I mean, it'd be, you'd have to have a big briefcase to carry it all in and stuff like that. But um, I thought, that'd be really cool just to study a book and say, I'm going to read this book over and over for the month or over and over for the year and just and really, really focus on that. Well, the Holy Spirit has uh, guided me this year to really study the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to know uh, how that all goes together. I don't understand the Trinity. I'm not trying to say that I would understand that. But I just want to understand the Holy Spirit and how he works in my life. And we're just going to look at a lot of verses here in uh, the book of Acts. Um, I want to read it. chapter 5, verse 32 says, And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So we're more full of the Holy Spirit when we're obeying God. 
And I heard a preacher yesterday as I was listening on the radio just say, basically, if you want to know the will of God, look in the Word of God. That's the will of God. I mean, people are saying, I want to know the will of God for my life. He says, well, if you don't you know that right now, he says, if you will just obey what God's given you, then you will know his will. The Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit is the guide of our life. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us um, when, we, when we love him and we know Jesus Christ and we understand the gospel and we preach it to ourselves daily. The Holy Spirit guides us and fills us. And I, I want everybody to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I like when they're choosing in chapter 6 of Acts the men to serve the tables, basically the first deacons. Verse 3 says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. I mean, they're just basically waiting on tables, or they're dividing up the money for the widows and the orphans, and they're saying, here's the churches, all the money. You guys decide. You guys do all that, because we want to preach the gospel. And so these men still had to be full of the Holy Spirit just to obey the accountability, the, the money aspect of the church. Verse 5 says, and they, they said, and they set him aside, and he said, what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit. And they pick out Stephen here because in the next part of this chapter, he's like just filled with the Spirit so much so that he's going around doing miracles and healing people, and people are like taking notice of, what is it, what's up with this guy? What's up with this Stephen guy? And he brings so much problems to the, to the community, the people say, we got to kill this guy. We got to kill Jesus. And now here's another man who's so full of the Holy Spirit. We got to kill him. And I'm just telling you that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, people are awkward around you. They don't know what to think about you. And it's not like I'm filled with the Holy Spirit all the time or any, by any means. But you sense the Holy Spirit coming upon you when you, it's almost like a, it's a, it's like a covering, and he comes upon you sometimes when you're speaking because you don't really know what to say. And God just gives you the words to say and you speak them. Uh, sometimes um, in the Old Testament, he came upon Gideon uh, when there's a war and the Holy Spirit just comes upon him. And like he has, he has courage, he has boldness to fight. I mean, I, I've, I've studied all the time in Gideon about how it was so amazing because he's going to go fight the Midianites, and he doesn't know what to do. He's a fearful man. He's not a very brave man. Uh, but the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and God says, okay, go fight. And all these people, all the tribes come around together around him and say, here's all these men. And God says, that's too many. Uh, go down the river and, you know, see who, how they drink their water, you know, at the river. It's like, okay, one guy gets down and gets on his knees and serps the water from the river, I guess, puts his hands and knees down there. Another guy kneels down and just gets it in his... Uh, hand and does that, which I feel like that would take a long, long time, you know, it'd be like going up to a water fountain today, turn it on, just, okay, just to see how much I can get in my mouth here, you know, just, and he says, okay, those 300 that did that, because the majority got down on their hands and knees and just drank out of the river, you know, just like, we're real men, you know, and these guys like, oh, I don't want to get too much, you know, so I don't want to get muddy or something, so they said, that's the 300, the, I would just say the 300 sissies, okay, we're going to get those 300 guys, and Gideon's like, oh, Okay, if that's what, God, we're, you know, we're going to fight the Midianites. And, and then Gideon comes up with this plan, directed by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. And it's like, we don't really need men, men who are going to have swords. All we need you to do is blow a trumpet. Blow a trumpet. So it's like a band geek. Let's get the band guys. We're going to go fight this war with the band guys. And all my friends who are 
band directors and stuff like that. I don't want to offend anybody, but okay, just the trumpet guys, okay? And, uh, and not only that, you, and you also have to break a piece of pottery, okay? Because we're going to put a light in there, and you break the pottery, and you're going to fight, and you're going to win the battle and stuff. And Gideon's just amazed, and he's like, okay. And they go, and they fight, and they break the, uh, their lamps, and the lamps are inside, and it sounds like, looks like a big old flash of lightning, I'm sure, and they blow their trumpets, and the Midianites just start fighting each other and destroying each other. It's just, it's just an amazing thing. But the, be filled with the Holy Spirit is just when God sends his covering. A lot of times I think we get distracted because um, as Stephen's preaching in uh, chapter 7, he's just telling the history of Israel. And I'm sure all these guys who are mad at him in Jerusalem are saying, what? Yeah, we agree with that. We hear that. We hear about Moses and, yeah, the prophets and stuff like that. And then out of, the, out of nowhere, I mean, kind of talking about Moses there at the end, he says, and you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. And I'm thinking they're like, what? We're like saying amen. We're agreeing with you, Stephen. And all of a sudden you say that. And it's like, now we're going to stone him. And that's what they did. They stoned him, and they killed him. And Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, verse 55, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And so he's talking about this Jesus that, that they can't stand, this, this Jesus they crucified. And they're saying, What? You're exalting Jesus Christ? You're saying he's at the right hand of God, and since you're saying he is God, is the Holy Spirit is God, um, with the Father, they said, let's stone him, let's stone him. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon him so much, not so much that he just, he preached the word of God, not so much he confronted them, because it was already God's plan that Stephen die. It was God's plan. Stephen's not trying to escape that. He's just so full of the Holy Spirit, he's just being obedient to God. He says at the very end, verse 60 of chapter 7, he says, and the falling to his knees, he cried with a loud voice, as he's dying, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And what he had said this, when he had said this, he fell asleep, he died. Nice way of saying he died. And to do that, to forgive people who are persecuting you, to forgive anybody who's hurt you in the past, that's the Holy Spirit. That's being full of the Holy Spirit. So as I say, the Holy Spirit can come upon you. Because you obey, because you believe in the gospel, you receive God, I think we receive the Holy Spirit then. Um, sometimes I think we don't understand the fullness of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, as we obey, as we serve God, as we let God guide us. And, and it goes on through the rest of the chapters, and I don't want to go on forever. I, I could, I'd like to. But um, it's just like how the Holy Spirit um, guides, how the Holy Spirit um, fills us and, and takes fill different places, how he blinds basically Paul, Saul, and he becomes a believer. I mean, Holy Spirit works in our ways in lots of ways. And I just, and my, my plea for you today is obey God's word, believe in the gospel with all your heart and soul, and always preach that to yourself every day. And remember that we need to be experiencing the Holy Spirit daily, not just like once in a while. I mean, when the Holy Spirit says, go witness to that person, go witness he will give you the words to say, to speak. It doesn't mean you're going to be fruitful or successful, but it means that you're going to be obedient. And that is the feeling of the Holy Spirit. That is the grace of God. And I just pray that, that you would experience that today, that you desire that today more than anything.
And I pray for all of us in this room that it's not just like um, a good thought, but as we preach the gospel to ourselves every day, we'd remind ourselves to ask God to fill us with his spirit, be attentive to the Holy Spirit, moment by moment, not just um, when we're at church on Sundays, but when we're in conversation with our friends to share the gospel, um, and God will give us the words to say, when we're like sitting there saying, what do, well, I just sense the Holy Spirit guiding me over to here. And maybe it's to some gas station or something. And you just see somebody and you go and help them and serve them. Or, or anybody of your friend who you haven't talked to in a long time, call them up saying, hey, God brought you to mind today. How's things going, you know? Maybe um, they're not a Christian. And share the gospel with them. Share what God's doing in your life. And, and the Holy Spirit will guide you. He will lead you. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And I think we do that when we live our lives based on our own intellect rather than truly trusting all that God is for us and in us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. We praise you. We, we pray, praise you because you always um, exalt Jesus. You always lift him up. You lift up the gospel story uh, in us and, and through us. And, and you are the one who empowers us. And you're the one who guides us. And you're the one that, Lord, we quench. And so we pray, Lord, Lord, that we, you give us grace to be more obedient, um, not for our own glory, Lord, but only for your glory. And, Lord, that we'd be obedient in the sensitive things of um, just the conscience of our souls as you speak to us through that, to, to go and to share and, and to, to say your word, to speak your word. That, Lord, we, we'd feel your conviction when we... Um, want to speak or want to watch something on TV that we shouldn't watch or we want to speak something negative, gossip about somebody else that you would just, you would just grab us and, and you would stop our lips and stop our eyes from looking at things that are impure and stop our lips from saying things that are hurtful. And Lord, that we would be seen as people who are godly and full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Lord, for your honor, for your glory, let us be the lights in this community, in this world. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, uh, thank you, Chris. That was really awesome, guys, so far. And this, I just want to have a, a really short intermission for just a second uh, while I introduce our next guest. Um, yes, I'd like to introduce uh, a famous uh, speaker here, uh, the great, the late, and he's not dead. I think I, I made that clear earlier. He's just late. Ex-atheist, sold out to Jesus. Casey Shaw, come on down. I don't know why I need an introduction like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, he's mean. Anyways, we're looking at Job 14 today, and it's going to start with verse 1. Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And do not open your eyes such as one and bring me into judgment with you. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean, out of the unclean? There is not one, since his days are determined, and the number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that cannot pass. 
Look away from him and leave him alone, that he may enjoy like a hired hand his day. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for these men, and I thank you for uh, even Honey being here with us today, and I, I thank you for everyone who's listening or who will listen. God, you have done such a mighty work in my life. You've done a mighty work in, in everyone's life here. Um, I just want to thank you for that. God, you've, you've, uh, you've shown us the way. You've shown us the light. We praise you each and every day. Amen. Now, I... I uh, actually I had help choosing this scripture. My wife actually kind of helped me roughly about 45 minutes ago. (laughs) But anyways, I came very unprepared. But that to me, I mean, we have a certain amount of days numbered, a certain amount of months. We don't know those days. God does. We are born of a woman. We are we are few of days but we are full of trouble. Even with, even with Christ in our lives, we sure, we sure seem to uh, grasp on trouble more than we grasp on Jesus a lot of times. Uh, even Every day is a, is, a, is a test for me. Do I return? Do I pray about those decisions that, I, that I'm going to do? Do I pray about the job that I'm, I'm going to? Do I, do I, do I ask... God, do I ask Jesus to come in my life? Um, we were kind of uh, Daniel and I were discussing uh, just a just a brief comment a, a few minutes ago. You know, Jesus prays for us when we don't have the words to say. The Holy Spirit intercedes in our groanings, so the Holy Spirit is praying for us. Jesus prays for us as. He prays for us every day. He prays for us when we're in trouble. You know, Jesus isn't up in heaven just forgetting about us, waiting for us to die. He's, he's, he's there for us every, every day that we walk the earth. You know, we, we live such a short life, you know, 80 years old. I mean, I'm 38 right now. My knees hurt. My back hurts. My shoulders hurt. My it it just seems like everything is is one more one more ailment one more soreness one more just ache. Uh, I have it a lot better than others, I will say. But but you know, I mean, it's nothing that I can do. It's 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 all God. Um, at the same time, you know, um, we can also look at James four, uh, where it says James four. 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whatever, where, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is a sin. You know, we, we shouldn't waste our life on the existence of frivolous and shallow things. Everything, is, everything like that is for ourself. 
Do we use the time that we have to bring glory to God? Most of the time, I would say, for me, myself, is probably not. I live it for myself still. Um, just living each day as going and just just doing uh, without, without instructing, without asking for instruction from, from God. I mean, that's not bringing glory to God. To do something that I have done so many times, a thousand times before, brushing my teeth, comb, uh, combing what hair I have, which isn't much. Thank you, thank you. Um, tying my shoes. I don't, I don't ask God. I don't talk to God about those things. I just go on about my day. Why do I not talk about God? The, the reason I can do those things is because God has, has given me, it is his will that I, that I can do those things. What is the purpose in our life? Is it just to live for ourselves? What gain is it in the end if we wither and die? How can we live for the things of this world so heartily when it's all passing away? The world is passing away around us. We are, we are one day closer, one minute closer to dying. Where are we going to spend our eternity? You know, we are passing away quickly. When we think about eternity, 80 years is nothing. 70 years is nothing. A young man at 30 years old passing away, it's, it's, it's such a short time. We should be kingdom-minded, eternity-minded. Where are we going to spend eternity? And who gets the glory from, from what we do here, from what we say to others, from what we talk about? Is our, is our mouth full of crude joking? Is it uplifting to anybody? Is it helpful to anybody? We should think about those things. And God willing, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we should bear real fruit, which will count in eternity. We have to look at our desires. Where we spend our time, our money, where do we put our hope? What do we prioritize? So in closing, how will, we, how will we spend our vapor? Since this life is just a vapor, what are we going to do with it? How will we spend it? I, I just, I, I have to think about that every single day. So in closing, let us pray. God, let our vapor mean something. Let it Always turn back to you and glorify you. Let us be image bearers of Jesus, or at least somewhat, somewhat of a resemblance of, of living a godly life through Jesus. God, we, uh, we, don't, we, don't even, we can't even comprehend that half the time. And, and uh, God, we just ask forgiveness of that. God, we thank you for everything that you've done. We, we just praise you, and, and, and hopefully we can glorify you more and more each day. And it's in your precious name, through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you, Casey. I, I told you, I promised you that we'd have a good speaker. And everybody did a great job, I want to say that. Today, uh, we've been out of sync for a couple months, but um, what Casey uh, spoke about is what Chris and I was talking about earlier. I mean, 
That's so true. Life is short, right? Life is short. So that, I think that was a, a word from God, Casey, for, for me. Uh, life is short. And I've never heard it put like that, that, uh, how'd you say it? Uh, the vapor, you called us a vapor. Yeah. And that's right. Yeah. So, so thank you guys for, for joining us today. I have a, another special guest today. So honey is going to come up and lead us in a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you today. I pray that um, we'll um, have a great rest of the day. And I pray that um, we will glorify you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Bye, Facebook.